Tonight's reading comes from the New Testament, Luke chapter 23, verses 33, 39 through 43. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself, and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God, even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So here's a question for you. What's the deal with eternal life? What's the, what's the deal with all that? I mean, you're a smart person. You've been to a church or maybe like heard of churches or maybe if this is the first time you've ever been in a church, you've probably heard that church people talk about eternal life. Church people talk about that. And it's kind of a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal what the deal is with eternal life. And I want to tell you tonight that uh, a lot of people, as they've talked about eternal life, they have uh, scared people. They have created fear in people. And I think that you might be surprised how different Jesus' approach is. We're in a series uh, in this month of September called Surprised by Jesus. Someone say, surprise! 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 Jesus is full of surprises. He is not the kind of God that you would expect. He is totally and radically different. And so what we're going to look at tonight is, well, kind of the question is, who gets in? Who gets to go to the good place? You know the good place? Who, who's, who, who is like the people that are in with God? And there's all sorts of assumptions about that. So to talk about this, uh, I want to show you a picture. Uh, this picture here is, this is me, homecoming. Uh, I think that was, it was my, either my freshman or my sophomore year. I miss the hair. I used to do that. I, I could like actually do that. Someone, someone t- earlier today, they took a picture of me like from above. Is it called Five Point or something? Point five, okay, point five. So, so they did the point five, I'm like, I am receding. Okay, it was very, uh, you know, caused a lot of insecurity. Well, I was really excited in this moment right here. So did any of you, how many of you been to, to homecoming recently? I know a lot of you had homecoming or have it coming up or whatever, so uh, not, some of you not yet. Okay, uh, how many of you have seen those like really corny signs that everyone makes that should just stop, right? They should just stop. Can I get an amen, please? No? You disagree? You want to keep them? Okay. All right. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was really happy on this day because I had asked someone to go to homecoming with me who was out of my league. It, it was not my wife. At the, you know, okay. So it's, it's like awkward. All right. So someone asked, is, that your, is it your wife? We have a prom story. I'll tell you the prom story some other time. Okay. But this is homecoming. All right. So at homecoming... I asked a girl that I, I honestly, I, sh- I was like, I don't even have a chance. What am I even doing? And not only did she say, yes, let's go to the dance, she said she'd be my girlfriend. It's like, okay. And it felt awesome. I'm like, I'm in. I get to go to the dance with someone. I'm leveling up. 
in life, okay? Like, this is really great. I get to sit with different people at lunch now, all right? I, I, get, to, I get to, like, feel better about myself. How unhealthy is that, okay? But that's just where I was, okay? And so I was just so excited about it. Now we go to the dance. Partway through the dance, she, she whispers into my ear, I don't think this is going to work out. I know, I know the rejection. So my dad had to come pick me up early from the, from the homecoming dance. This is my freshman year. It was awful. It was awful. I know, right? Can I get, can I, I just need some sympathy. Can you give me an, aw, poor Nick. Thank you. Uh, I feel a little better now. So here's the thing. I tell you this story because it, it just illustrates something that we all know. We all know that acceptance Getting in, meaning something to someone, oh, it feels good. Acceptance is awesome. Rejection is awful. And when it comes to God and eternal life, acceptance is awesome. Rejection sounds awful. And have you noticed there's even a lot of religious people that have have decided, well, I bet that they're not going to heaven, so now I'm going to treat them poorly. Have you noticed that? We're not going to do that here, by the way. And if you notice anyone doing that here, you come tell me because we need to put a stop to that. That's not what Jesus calls us to do or who, who he calls us to be. See, Jesus, he teaches something very surprising about eternal life. And as we talk about this, I want you to to think not just about yourself, but to think about the people that you love and the people that that you would want. Like, who wouldn't want the gift of eternal life for every single person that they care about? Like, that's something that we, we want for people, even if we don't believe in it. And so what did Jesus actually say? What What does it take to be accepted? What does it take to live after you die. Do you know what most people think? It's probably one of the biggest misconceptions in all of Christianity. Most people think that if you want to go to heaven, you need to be a good person. Wrong. Nowhere in the Bible does it say if you're good, you go to heaven. How many of you, uh, does anyone here have a pass-fail class or pass-fail tests? Anybody have those? If you want to go to heaven, you could, you could try to do it by being good. The problem is it's a pass-fail test. And 99.9% correct won't get in. It's 100% or nothing. And so what do we do about that? Because I'm not even close to 99.9% good. Jesus, he has something surprising. I want you to, I mean, so many people, they have a very messed up understanding of what it means and how you receive eternal life. And I don't want you to be confused by all the things that our culture tells us and all the things that people, well, you know, it just sort of evens out, right? Like if I have more good in my life than bad or, you know, I did my best or, you know, all roads lead to heaven, right? And, and there's all these things that are out there. I just want you to know, I just want you to know that Jesus has a different view. And it's his heaven we're talking about. And so what does Jesus actually say? He says, says some surprising things. He says, the kingdom, everyone say the kingdom. the kingdom. 
Whenever Jesus says the kingdom of God, he's talking about heaven. See, heaven is a place where God rules as king. He is king, but let's just be honest. If Jesus walked into this room right now, some of you would have a different posture. Right? If Jesus walked into this room right now, you might not be on your phone. If Jesus walked into this room right now, you might not be talking to your neighbor. Or you, you might, not, might not be just think, even thinking about that thing that's a legitimate worry in your life. You'd be like, Ooh, what, what? The King of Kings and Lord of Lords is literally walking into this room, right? Like it, it would have all of your attention because he's the king. And heaven is where what God says actually happens in the people. That means that the way that we're called to love, heaven is filled with all of that love. The kingdom of God is near, Jesus teaches. And he says, repent. Everyone say, repent. That's a churchy word that is usually uh, used by people that are trying to, like, scare you out of hell. Uh, They're trying to scare the hell out of you, okay? Uh, And so, like, they say, repent or burn or something like that. But that's not what Jesus says. He doesn't say repent or burn. In fact, the only people, did you know this? Jesus does not talk about hell to non-religious people. Did you know that? Do you know who he talks to about hell? Religious people who think they have it all together. Ooh, it's kind of surprising. See, he, he says the kingdom of God is near. Repent, it means to change your mind and turn around. Some of you, you've been like going on a direction all summer since the beginning of the school year. You've been going on a direction. You hear that word repent and you're like, yeah, I probably should change my mind because it hasn't really been going well in that relationship or in that friend group. I, I, I really have been making choices that are not really beneficial to me and I know that, but... I just, I don't know how. Well, here's how, is you repent of your sins, but you also believe, which means trust. You believe the good news. And there's some very good news. What else does Jesus teach? Let's see what else Jesus says about eternal life. We'll go to the next slide right here. He says, I have come not to call those who think they are righteous. Do you know anyone that thinks they're going to heaven? I do funerals. Like, that's a regular part of my job. Everyone thinks that everyone who has died is going to heaven because they love them. Does the Bible t- teach that? Does Jesus teach that? You know what Jesus does teach is that God wants them in heaven. And God is offering heaven to them. But heaven is not for those who think that they're all good. Who think everything's fine and dandy who thinks it's all just going to work out for them in the end, because that's not how it works. Instead, he doesn't come for those who who think that they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Someone say sinner. Sinner. Now, again, that's another religious term that gets used to scare people. You sinner. Like to treat people poorly. Those sinners, we're going to look down on them. Jesus doesn't look down on sinners. Jesus comes down to sinners. Jesus doesn't look down in judgment on sinners. He comes down to sinners to pull them up and out of their sin. And those that are like, nah, I'm good, man. I don't need this. I don't need you to pull me out. I don't don't need you to save me. He's not going to say, well, tough, I'm going to anyway. He will respect your wishes. 
Jesus, he goes on, another time he's talking to a religious leader who's, who thought that he knew it all. And then he realized maybe he didn't. His name's Nicodemus, I relate to him because my name's Nick and my grandma used to call me Nicodemus. So I always think of him, and I think of Grandma Nancy. And Grandma Nancy, she'd say, Nicodemus, and she'd grab my ear. And you have a grandma that grabs your ear, just me? Uh, yeah, that's one of those things, you know. Well, so Jesus is talking with Nicodemus. And he says, teach me something, Jesus. And Jesus says the most famous verse in all the Bible. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that what? So that what? That whoever believes. Whoever believes. Whoever believes. Whoever believes. Is that whoever including you? Is that whoever including your crazy parents? Is that whoever, including the person that dumped you? Is that whoever, including the person that's your enemy? Is that whoever, including the person who hurt you really bad? Is that whoever include you and the people that you've hurt? Yeah. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's believing. Well, what's that mean? Is it just like to be a Christian? If I'm just like, I'm a Christian, I go to heaven now. No, not really. See, Jesus, he, he says a couple more things. And, and so let's go to this next one. Uh, he says that I am the way, not, not a way. I am the way and the truth and the life. We jumped ahead two slides there. Yes, stay right there. That's great. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Look at this. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, some of you are like, well, what about my friend who's Buddhist? Or what about my friend who's agnostic? Or some of you are like, I don't even think I believe all this. That sounds really exclusive. Christianity, it's so exclusive. Did you know something that's so interesting about Christianity? Is that Christianity is literally the most inclusive worldview of all worldviews. But so many Christians have become exclusive because they stopped acting like Jesus. Christianity says everyone who gets it wrong, everyone who's messed it up, everyone that's turned away from God, every single person doesn't just get another chance, they get free and unlimited grace from God. Every sin can be forgiven. And there's really only one way that you're going to be able to get that, Jesus is saying. He loves you enough to tell you that. And it's not going to be from climbing some religious ladder to impress some God. It's going to be by turning to the God that showed up. Earlier I talked about the people that they thought, well, you know, I'm, it's probably all going to shake out. And, you know, if I'm just a Christian, if I'm religious, I do religious things, I go to church. I should be good, right? Well, well Jesus says this too. One more thing. Go to the next slide. He says, on judgment day... Many, that's not, a, that's not a handful, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did all this stuff in your name. And he's going to reply, I never knew you. I never knew you. We didn't have a relationship and I've been, reach, I've been reaching out. I, I wanted a relationship with you. I've offered myself to you. 
I gave every bit of myself to you. And, and so here's just a, a thing that I, I want you to, to consider. So now we can put that, that picture of that pool up here. So here's, here's a picture of a, it's like a cartoon, okay? So here's a picture of a pool. There's people diving in. There's people soaking. There's people swimming. There's people that are just like staring at the pool. They're not really swimming. There's people that are like just walking in, checking it out. This guy's a little distracted with himself, okay? There's all sorts of people relating to the pool in different ways, my question for you is, if this pool represents your relationship with God, which character in this picture do you relate with the most? And if you're like, well, if I say that I'm not in the pool, that means I'm going to hell and everybody's going to hate me here. No, that's, that's not what this is about. This is just an honest look at like, how are God and I doing? Like, are, are we really connected? How, how has it been going? Some of you, you, the only reason that you broke up with your significant other now instead of a few months ago is because you didn't reflect until now. But you would have a few months ago had you actually stopped to think about it. And now it's like, oh, my mental health is getting better. Oh, this is great. How do you relate to God? Which character do you relate with most on here? Or the Bible has one that's even more simple. You heard in our Bible reading that when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified with one criminal on his left and another criminal on his right. And the criminal on one side, he scoffed at Jesus. He said, hey, if you're really the Messiah, if, if you're really everything that you say you are, um, I'm kind of doubting it right now because they're crucifying you. They're nailing your body to a piece of wood. And if you're supposed to be God and you're going to save Israel and all that kind of stuff, like, why would you let that happen? Could you, like, maybe show off your little, like, religious superpowers and, and then you could, like, get down off the cross and then get us down off the cross, too, while you're at it? Do you think you could do some of that? And you know, know what the other guy said? He said, even when you're facing death, don't you fear God? He said, even when you're sentenced to die, did you know all of us are sentenced to die? We'll all die. It's going to happen. We're all going to have a day where our heart stops beating. We don't like to think about it, but it's true. And so this criminal who, uh, actually maybe the more accurate translation in the Bible for this is a, he's a terrorist who's crucified because of, he was committing violent crimes. He's about to die. And he looks to Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me. Someone say, remember me. Remember. Say it like you mean it. Remember me. remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you know what Jesus said to him? Jesus said, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. I assure you, today you will be with me. You, the person that doesn't have a good track record. There's literally nothing that that guy could have done to make it up to God. He didn't have time for prayers and therapy and figuring out all the stuff from his past. And then he, he was going to like go and then do a bunch of good works to make up for it. And he was going to change all of his relationships. And he was going to stop that bad habit. He was going to do all this stuff for God. He didn't have time for that. He just said, 
Will you remember me? And Jesus said, oh yeah. I assure you. I wonder, do you have that kind of assurance? Or which, which thief are you? Which criminal are you? Are you the criminal that that's kind of scoffs? It's like, Psh, if, if you're really all that you say you are, why don't you fill in the blank? Or are you on the other side of things and you recognize, wow, I, um, I am not going to be able to stand before a holy God and say, yeah, I passed the test. Wow, uh, I am going to die someday whether I want to or not. Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. So here's what I want you to know. I want you to know, good people, good people don't go to heaven. One of the biggest misconceptions in Christianity, and there's a lot of good people here, it will not get you in. That's not how eternal life works according to Jesus. Good people do not go to heaven. Do you know who goes to heaven? Forgiven people do. Forgiven people do. Good people do not go to heaven, but forgiven people do. Which one are you? Because the thief didn't even say, will you forgive me? He said, will you remember me? And Jesus tonight, for every single one of us, has, has this invitation. Not for you to, you know, let's keep coming to ignition and become a good person. Ah, That would be lovely if you became more moral and you did some good things I would love to see that I'm sure that other people would benefit from that but you don't need this time for that you could do that anywhere but the forgiveness of your sins past, present and future where are you going to get that and so Jesus' invitation to you and to me all of us tonight is well let's make a trade Let's make a trade. Let's trade your sinfulness, your brokenness, your past for my life. Let's trade your death for my life. So that there would be nothing that stands between you and your heavenly father. Let's make a trade. And I'm wondering, do you think you have something that you would want to trade with him? Do you have something in your life that, that you, uh, and whether it's a sin or whether it's just a burden that you've carried or, or it's just like this, this thing that's been a darkness over your life and you've been holding on to it for quite a while and it just, you can't seem to get control of it. And Jesus is saying to you, let's make a trade. Jesus gave us a way to do this, in fact. He, on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus, he, he took bread. And he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat. Do this. Remember how he said, remember me? He said, do this in remembrance of me. This is for the forgiveness of your sins. This is my body broken for you. After the supper, you know what he did? He took the cup. He said, this cup, it's not just a cup anymore. This cup is the cup of the new covenant, the new deal. Let's make a trade. This cup is my blood poured out 
for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Will he remember you? Yeah. Do you remember him? Because he's inviting you to make a trade. So I want to invite our communion servers to move into place. You guys can just come on up and, and come to the front. There'll be some ushers that are going to dismiss you row by row. And I want us all to, be, to not be talking at all right now. I want us to turn to your neighbor and go, shh, thank you. Because this is a holy moment for some people. Here's what God has promised. God has promised that he is going to show up for whoever comes and receives this with faith. That he is going to show up with his grace and every sin of yours, past, present, and future is forgiven. That you are adopted into God's family as a child of God. Something that no one can ever take away from you. What's going to happen is the ushers, they'll dismiss you row by row. And you'll come down and you'll receive the bread. They're going to rip off just a little piece and they'll put it into your hands. By the way, if you need gluten-free, that's the station over there. They have like these little, like, looks like a coffee creamer cup. It's gluten-free. It's all good. But if you need gluten-free, that's the station you go to. But they're going to, uh, if you're not doing gluten-free, they're going to tear a piece of bread off. They're going to put it in your hand and receive it with faith. It's the body of Christ broken for you. Then after, or actually, I'm sorry, don't eat it yet. You're going to dip it, okay? Because if you eat it, it's going to be awkward. You're going to be like, oh, I ate it. I forgot I was supposed to dip it in the cup. Okay, so you dip it in the cup. Also, don't be like one of those thumb dippers where you're like, I'm dipping it all the way in there. That's gross, okay? Like, let's just not do that. You just dip, dip that in there, and then you can receive the body and blood of Jesus with faith. And you might be wondering, is this for me? Don't I have to, like, take a class or, or something? Jesus, he says, for God so loved the world that whoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish have eternal life. That's why he sent his son. So, if you want Jesus, he wants you. So, what's going to happen is uh, the band is going to come out. They're going to play this song. It's called Reckless Love. It's this classic. Like, it's just like a, uh, some of you are like, yes, I love that song. And we're going to say this prayer as they're, as they're playing that song. I want don't talk to your neighbor. Don't like, don't do that. Because this is a holy moment. I want you to receive the body and blood with faith. And then what you're going to do after, after this is you're going to go to your small groups and you're going to like meet people in your small group. And I want you in that time. You don't have to be like, oh, here's all my sins. Like that's not what that time is for. That's for you and Jesus right now. But what this time that's coming up after this is for it's for you to have some people that you can have community who you have communion with. People that you can go on this journey and not be alone. Amen? Amen. So let's pray the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. 
Amen. The table is set. Come and sing this song. You're welcome to stay when, you, when you've received communion. If you're ready to head to your group, you can head to your group. And then we're going to have small groups until 930. God loves you so very much.